As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. everyone welcome to the ruck the rugby podcast from the times and the sunday times and happy new year welcome to 2024 i'm alfie reynolds and on location with will kelleher alex Lowe. how are you gents it's time warp it is a time warp for this episode our first episode of 2024 in will kelleher's flat alex is yeah, very nice very good very good i noticed that <laughs> i'm nervous <laughs> i was looking at i was looking at their decanters and uh, Will's hit his rum rather quicker than his girlfriend's <laughs> drunk her whiskey. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I just need to update it with a new bottle. I think that's the thing. That's my resolution for 24. Get more rum. <laughs> <laughs> I have utter faith in you to be able to achieve that goal. Uh, we should tell the listeners at this point, don't ring in. You st- still may be charged. You know, it's a pre-recorded show. Exactly. Yes. So with the... <laughs> fixtures or the kind of dates over the festive period this year means that we are pre-recording our new year episode our look back on 2023 ahead of time so coming up in this episode we're going to name or will and alex are going to name their starting 15 of the year we've also got an interview with an up-and-coming player england under 20 northampton saints back rower henry pollock he made his premiership debut in the East Midlands Derby fairly recently. So there's a little chat with him. And then also we've got a few individual awards as well that we'll do at the end. So a mixed bag for you, a little look ahead to 2024, a big look back at 2023. And I think we'll start with team of the year. Are we good to go? Yeah, so so should we lay some ground rules? Yes, yeah, so, so I've got a few questions go on for then. you both you here as well. How many hipster picks are we allowed? Yeah, well, there's, that's, that could be a rule. <laughs> as a many as you card. like, yeah. The more the merrier, I think, in all honesty. So it's interesting. So if we're naming a starting 15, how heavy a weighting or all the weighting goes towards the World Cup? That's always, I think, an interesting discussion in a World Cup year. So here's my, my talking through of it. There was, there's obviously a recency bias, isn't there? Because we've, we've come back from the World Cup and South Africa won it. And so there's probably going to be quite a lot of South Africans who have made it who wouldn't have been it before. And things like Ireland winning the Grand Slam may have been slightly forgotten because it firstly happened earlier in the year. Secondly, they then didn't get through to the semis and beyond of the World Cup. And that's sort of fine. I think it's a bit like the rankings, isn't it? Double points yeah. in World Cup year. That's what the sport's all about, isn't it? Performing at World Cup. So it's okay that... The South Africans, people like Andre Pollard, for example, who maybe didn't have the greatest 2023 as an entire year, but then kicked every single goal at the World Cup. He probably, that's quite a big tariff Yeah, for him. I think there's a big weighting on the World Cup. N- not just from, from some of the, the, I guess, the fun picks from, from some of the emerging nations. We all have our favourite Fijian players and um, Portuguese. Portuguese players. Samoans. Samoans. But, um, but even but for, for the major nations. I think, the, I think winning a Grand Slam has, has cachet, and I think, it's easy to forget how good Ireland were in the Six Nations. And when we're in the Six Nations, we always say, this is everything. Winning a Grand yeah. Slam is is within that context, everything. It's so much bigger than winning the title. So much bigger than winning the title. But um, it's not as big as the World Cup. So for me, there's a mass, there, is a, there is a huge weighting towards the World Cup 
because it's the biggest stage there is, but can't forget the Grand Slam. Shall I run us through who we picked last year? Yeah, do you want to go? It's quite interesting. Run us through the 15. So our 15 last year was Cyril Bay, Julien Marchand, Tyg Furlong, Eben Etzebeth, Tyg Byrne, Surveyor van der Fleer, Aldry, and we, I think, allow the Times listeners to choose which order in the back row those three would be. Um, then we had Dupont and Sexton, Dante and Fiku, all French midfield, and then Penno, Emiliano Buffelli, and Willy LaRue as a fullback. So Buffelli, I think, was because he kicked loads of goals, beat England, had a really good year, but he was possibly the most hipster pick. Interesting. There but, we go. Well, I'll tell you what, let, let's kick things off then, shall we? And let's start in the forwards. And I don't think there's a better place to start in terms of 2023 and in particular the World Cup than the front row and where we're going here. What do you reckon? I've, I've got the 15 names that I think should be in. And I think it, all of it is really reflective of what we kind of said at the end of the World Cup. Of, we got the World Cup in the final that maybe the year of rugby deserved or merited by the fact that no scrum, no win came back in a major way in 2023. So my loose head is going to be Ox and Che. But... I'm happy for it to be kits off if people want to bend me the other way. A bit like Oxman Jay has done to people in scrums, yeah. But, yeah, I just think he didn't play millions of tests, he didn't play millions of minutes, but he was so impactful in all of them. He's a great example of World Cup waiting meaning a lot. The impact that he made at the biggest moments on the biggest stage demand selection. And, it, you know, do we like the idea of seven forwards coming off the bench? Do you know, that whole thing is, is up for debate. The idea of a 23-man squad doesn't sit comfortably with lots of people because, you know, as we we said through the World Cup, a team like South Africa, certainly up front, you've got to beat them twice. As England found, they beat them once for about 50 minutes and then couldn't go again. But that's the depth that, that the Springboks have. And their, their biggest weapon of those seven forwards that, that would come on was, was Ox and Che. He was a... He was a match-winning loosehead prop. It was interesting, your piece, your interview, no, your your big scrum props investigation report, mm. reports, better way of putting it, that David Flatman called Joe Marler the best loosehead prop yeah. in, in the world. Bar none, he said. It wouldn't Bar have none. anyone ahead of him. Yeah, I saw him last week in uh, Racing, and it was one of those games that was so fast-paced, he came off after about 55. He loves being part of those games, He just, as he says himself. He doesn't, he doesn't survive very long in them. But he's playing the best rugby he's ever played, I think. It's great for England that he's available, I think, because they, they need experience. So uh, it's, it's great that he's part of the conversation, although I, I'm not sure he's going to win our, our vote. No, I think we're happy with Ox and Che, aren't we, from what you both said? Yeah, come on, go we on the Ox. Lock yeah. him in. Let's go to the other side of the scrum. We'll come to Hooker in, in just a second, but on the tight head side. Is it Franz Malherb? Is so it he South was our three again? from last year, and I'm going to say the same point I made last year. Was um, he in, sorry? Yeah, he made it last oh, okay. year, yeah. I think it sort of fundamentally comes down to what you want, doesn't it? Because I think Al Dimmock was on our podcast last year and he said he could pick you the fun front row or the scrum them to death front row. Yeah. And in the scrum them to death front row was obviously Franz Malherber. And the stats with him, the 2019 World Cup final, he made one carry for zero metres. And in the 2023 World Cup final, he made three carries for one metre. However, he is the most important, almost the most important Springbok out there, isn't he? And I said it last year, but I just quite enjoy the fact that you can have a guy who looks a bit like a pudding, hunts hunts for Biltong in the in the wild, shoots kudu and all that, and just scrum. And like people's entire game plans have had to change because he is so good at scrummaging. And England held they had they picked Dan Cole and Joe Marler to hold him. Yeah. 
and they amazingly did. And then it went to pot when Gens and Sinkley came on, and Ox and Che sent them through like a wave, didn't he? In one of those scrums. If if Tighthead earns you the big bucks, he should be paid a hell of a lot of money. Franz Malherber. Tyrrell Lomax from New Zealand, I think, coming through, has had a big year for them. Who else? Ty, I mean, Tyke Furlong's had better years. Lala was the other one that the, the All Blacks picked him purposefully for the box, and their scrum was great in the World Cup final. And actually, I think it? it's important to, in the same way we did with Marla, to give honourable mention to the New Zealand front row, because actually that them getting to the World Cup final, the improvement in their front five, in particular that front row, I think, was a massive part of that, so it's worth us mentioning that. Yeah. But yeah, I think, Mal, so Mal Herb and Unche, are we happy with yeah, our Well, props? can I just, he's not my nomination, because I've, I've, I've been very clear on who I want as my three, but I want, I want to mention Luke Tangy, the Fijian <laughs> yeah. tight head, yeah. who actually, on the stats from Opta, had the most carries per test of any test tight head in 2023. 8.73 carries a game. More than Sinclair, more than Ben Tamifuna, and... We mentioned it, I think, at the World Cup, but... Didn't you describe him as jelly? A bit jelly-ish, yeah. But it was the slow-mo, so he took a tap and go, didn't yeah. he? Um, it was either against Australia or Portugal, maybe Australia, or Georgia, actually, maybe. It was in the pool stages, anyway. And the French <laughs> director put a slow-mo on it's it, really poor bloke. Unfair. Yeah. And he's just wobbling away. But a hero. And as we said earlier, Fiji had like a 98% scrum success for the whole year and he was at the cornerstone. Well, when we were at the end of the World Cup, we had to pick our 15s of the tournament and and everyone went approaches those things with a slightly different perspective. But if you just pick the 15 best players, you'll all end up with pretty much the same team. So, so at the end of the World Cup, a lot of it was well, who, who brought us the most joy, who did we enjoy watching the most. That, that became a factor in a lot of our selections, which is why we ended up with some Portuguese players in our teams and, 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 and Tangy would have made a few a few teams because A, he was really effective, but he was part of a unit that set a platform for Fiji that no one really expected them to, to bring. So if you're picking I, I mean I think this exercise is probably the best fifteen of the year. Yeah, yeah. So it's slightly different. He definitely deserves a name check, but I don't think you're going to pick him in the best 15 ahead of yeah. Mal Herber. Okay, so we'll go in Che and Mal Herb as the props. Hooker. Okay, so this is where... I don't think the stats work on all of the positions because some of it you go, well, yeah, maybe not, but there's some... Like, I'm thinking of Stuart Barnes sometimes going, but it's about feel and what who made you get out your seat. The eye test. Yeah. However... On both counts, I think the hooker, my say, hooker, is, this is the guy one. Did, is probably number one for both, isn't he? So, I so the the nominations I suppose we put on our sheet were Dan Sheehan, Cody Taylor, Bongi and Banambi, and Pieter Malvaka, and Opta given us the stats. And Malvaka is his stats are insane. So he he's actually just behind Dan Sheehan on number of carries per game, but then he's top for game like success. Seventy almost seventy three percent of his carries went through the game line which is crazy um he almost scored a try every game <laughs> which is crazy as well he made an average of 52 meters per match over the over the year which is crazy for a hooker and his carry dominance was second only to Tavita Tavita Ikaniaveri the Fijian hooker so Malvaka and he was 93% line out thrower as well and he put a wicked kick in against the All Blacks mm. in the opening game, I remember. And when he came on for Marchand pretty early in that game, and like Bongi and Banambi actually had to shoulder a lot of work that um, that would otherwise have, have been shared, I think yeah, you have to go a long way to, to to pick a better hooker than than him. 
we talk about work rate. Jamie George played virtually every minute of the World Cup for England. Bongi, when they lost Malcolm Marks, he had to do the same. And that is that was an enormous shift that he put in, in in a side that was battling its way through three one-point knockout victories. I would like to say I would love to have seen more of Dan Sheehan at the World Cup yeah. because in, a, in any other year where the Grand Slam was the biggest achievement, Dan Sheehan was an outstanding player in, in Ireland's campaign. And he is one of those hookers who, who can seemingly do everything and the way that Leinster and Ireland use him down the short side and the way he interacts I just think he's he's outstanding it was just a shame we didn't see more of him at the World Cup and because of that um and we didn't see much more of Malvaca to be honest but yeah true uh, but we did see more of him at the World Cup than she and so yeah he would get my vote too I think can I have a very very quick uh, honourable mention um because I know there are some South Africans that listen to this because they complain about how much we uh Moon, <laughs> but uh, Dion Ferry, just for the fact Shall. that he, yeah, basically as a flanker, hadn't played hooker for years, and is what thirty six, yeah. and and played the whole World Cup final at hooker, having never played there for a, such a long time, is crazy. Yeah. And he was amazing. Uh, okay, so we've got Ox and Che, Pitu Mulvaka, and Franz Malherb as our front row. Okay, into the second row. Are you in agreement that Ebenezer Beth is again nailed on like he was last year? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So I think we can no argument easily lock him in the second. I actually think second row for me anyway would is one of the easiest positions. Do but... you think so? Because this was one that uh, on our long list I've got Moster, R.G. Snayman, which is a kind of bench starter thing, Atoji Whitelock, possibly Retalek too, Waki McFarland as the slightly more hipster pick. I, could, I was I was, was in my World Cup fifteen. McFarlane was in my World Cup fifteen. Yeah, Scott I think Barrett me too. Yeah, Scott, Scott Barrett. Scott yeah. Barrett is the one for me that I would lock in next. Oh, he wasn't to. even on my list. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I think part he in an exercise like this, you have to decide if he's a, a six or a second row because he played a lot of six. True. Um, but yeah, you might. That's a that's a shout because I sort of had him factored in as a six in my thinking. But he got a red card once, didn't he? He got a red card in the warm up game against South Africa at mm. Twickenham. Do you remember? And they lost by miles, didn't they? They got absolutely hammered, yeah. But he yeah. started, I think he was second row for the World Cup final. Yeah. He split up White Lock and Retallick, which is no mean feat. That one of the great second row pairings of all time, isn't he? So, yeah, I didn't I didn't have a five listed down. So I'm happy to go with the consensus on this one. Who I else thought he, out? Wocky? Wocky, he's similar, isn't he? He's six, yeah. Six I suppose, does, what, does <laughs> do Wocky and some of the French guys lose a bit because they didn't win a Grand Slam and they yeah. got knocked out of the course final of the World Cup so yeah I think I'd have they Ty, had to be outstanding to Ty get Byrne team. would would be higher yeah. than Wocky in my list on you're right on that basis and Ty Byrne what a player he is by the way and we're going to get Andy Farrell as as the Lions coach appointed imminently and his, his team as it stands right now would be packed full of Ireland players <laughs> yeah yeah and Ty Byrne would be would be one of them he's been out, he was outstanding for Ireland at the World Cup and and in the Grand Slam. So for me, it's between Barrett and, and Ty Byrne, I think. Okay. okay. Will, do you want to make the, f- the final Can I just throw out a couple of stats? So obviously, Elizabeth most dominant tackles, almost two per match, which is miles ahead of everyone um, in the year. He's also got the best um, gain-like success of the top guys um, who played regularly. And Theo McFarland carry dominance. Almost 60% of his carries were dominant, which is a decent effort. Yeah, I don't know, casting votes. So who are we saying between Scott Barrett or... Scott Barrett and Ty Byrne. Unless you've got a really strong argument for... No, I see, I didn't have a strong argument. If, if I was going to push, I was going to push for another bocker, but um, let's what, go Swan, with Scott Barrett. Or... Well, I thought, 
Yes, Neyman, just because when he came on, he was amazing. But I don't think I'm going to upset the entire thread of the <laughs> argument. Yeah, let's go for Scott Barrett, because I think made it to World Cup final. And was, and was Ireland very it. good as well for the All Blacks. Let's go Etzebeth and Scott Barrett then in the second row. The back yeah, row. physical duo, isn't it? It is, isn't it? But this is what we were saying. Like The pack is a very 2023 pack, isn't it? Oh, yeah, totally. And in the so in the back row, where do you want to start? I kind of feel like there's two fairly easily locked in here which would be peter steph to toy and ardy surveyor oh well i'm i I think i've i can have all three easily locked in here which is brutal really because you go just just listing the names that you could possibly pick and you could go we have any of these so surveyor doris bottier aldry peter steph to toy khaleesi earl vermulin courtney laws jack morgan and i've probably missed out loads there (laughs) that's a lot of good players isn't it i haven't even mentioned um Josh van der Fleer and Omani and all those guys. But this is, I think, going to be one of my uh, non-negotiables. And I'm I'm afraid you're going to have to put Levani <laughs> Bottier in the team. Okay, interesting. You're in my flat now, Alfie. Yeah. And you're going to yeah, have to put yeah, Bottier yeah. in. <laughs> I just love him. Like, So we spoke to him in Marseille and sort of typically understated Fijian guy, very Christian, was a prison warden, has got an amazing story, was telling us how he used to have to go up to the top of the hill to get some signal to watch Fiji games when he was a kid. He's How old is he? Let's look this up. I think he's 35, which is absolutely absurd for someone in that position to be that good. Brilliant, that brilliant club season as well. 34. Well, 34. I was going to say, if, you, if you're a player who, whose presence dominates all the conversations in the build-up to a game, yeah. you know you're talking about not just a special player, but a, like a match-winning threat. And if you recall, the we were down in, in Aix-en-Provence the week of the England-France, England-Fiji, sorry, quarter-final. The conversation with England coaches and players was, how do you stop him? Remember, we were in this concert hall with Tom Curry, and it, and he, we were talking with, to Tom Curry about how they, how they stop him. This is a Fiji team with world-class players strewn through their back line and the conversation was about Levani Bottia and that to me shows shows how good he was listen there are loads of others there that, that do deserve a name check if you're talking about the weighting of the World Cup Ben Earl England's player, player of the tournament definitely worth a mention yeah um, Khaleesi leadership captaincy inspiration playing the best rugby he's played only months after a major injury which is like, staggering would have probably the strongest case he's ever had to be in a World 15 I'd say but his, his carry dominance and gain like success was amazing. I sort of maybe he gets lost in the in the box thing sometimes, Khaleesi, because and also by the fact that everyone knows about all the stuff he does off the field and how inspirational he is as a leader. Like I know there's lots of people who go, I don't know why he's in the team, and you just think, well, he's a seriously good rugby player as well as all the other stuff. Yeah, and like he's top in the world for gain line success at flanker. 80%. If you recall four years ago, there was a, a conversation around if, if Khaleesi wasn't the captain, if he wasn't the character he was, for pure rugby requirements, should the box have played Francois Lowe in the back row ahead of Khaleesi? You know, obviously, he carries so much more with him. Four years on, and that's, the, that's why I made the point, his rugby is as important as everything else, which is why, from a pure rugby perspective, he's, he's definitely in the conversation. But However, I mean, Steve Jones will point. hate this because we've pretty much agreed on almost everything. Yeah, We're going to have to have a row at some point. But yeah, Bottier, fair. I, I, I'm on board with, with that. Peter Steph Dutoy, I don't think we'll have any row. And Ardi Surveyor. And Ardi Surveyor, nailed on number eight, surely. Well, the, well, I think that's our forward pack done then. 
Yeah. Let's see if we're, well, maybe we'll have more arguments when it comes to the back line. But just to recap then, so we've got Oxenche, P2 Muvaka, Franz Malherber, our front row, Eben Etzebeth and Scott Barrett in the second row, Peter Steftatoy, Lavani Bottia and Ardi Savea. That's front that is, football, is, isn't it? We haven't, yeah, we haven't talked about the depth at six and eight. Um, oh, I just like the, that the it's balanced as well. The, oh no, yeah, absolutely. But the bench would be pretty hot, hotly debated as well. I, I would like, um, like we're never C- losing. Courtney Laws deserves a name check. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, we're never losing a scrum. We've got top darts. We've got a guy who's what six foot six at, at six, as well as Etzebeth to smash people in Peter Stefford Toy. We've got the best yeah. turnover merchant in the world and the most dynamic number eight in the world. Like, there we go. That'll do. That will do us. Okay, <laughs> lovely stuff. All right, I tell you what, we'll have a quick break, but up next we'll get into the backline. So into the back line then, starting with the halfbacks, scrum half. Do you want a row? Yeah. Go on then. We wanted a row, didn't we? So I put out a tweet um, to tee this up to be like, come on then, everyone. Who would you be really annoyed if it wasn't in the World 15? And the first two answers were Antoine Dupont and definitely not Antoine Dupont, which kind of sums up our exercise today, doesn't it? Of Everyone's got their opinions and they're all valid. And I am going to completely contradict myself here because I'm going to read you some statistics. The most try assists per game, Antoine Dupont, 1.35 a game. Absurd, by the way. He gets more than a try assist every game. Uh, Line break assists, top, Antoine Dupont, more than one a game. Defenders beaten per game, Antoine Dupont, 3.15. The next best is 1.9. So he makes almost double the amount of uh, defenders beaten a game. Vasil Lobzinadze from Georgia. Meters made per game, top, Antoine Dupont, 42. I'm going to pick Aaron Smith. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the interesting thing, though. Maybe we won't have an argument because I had Aaron Smith down as well. Oh, (laughs) arguing. Well, I think Dupont falls down maybe slightly with the not getting past the quarterfinal and not winning the Grand Slam in this conversation. And he had... Why did he get himself hit in the face? It's all his own fault. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. he, he was so good that he annoyed the Namibians. Yeah. And then they were like, well, we're going to have to break his cheekbone. <laughs> I wonder with DuPont, is it almost getting to the stage similar to what we said with Tyg Furlong? Almost, you get accustomed to the level yeah. a yeah. little bit. Like, we're so used to him being ridiculous and those stats there you've just read out are ridiculous that you kind of take it for granted and start to look elsewhere for this award like he clearly is one of the greats isn't he and we're not saying oh Antoine Dupont's not very good Mm. obviously not he's insane but it's an interesting thing like doing my nausea thing of listening back to last year's pod I I said a similar thing about Dupont as I'm going to say now is I didn't think he had as good a year as he did last year because last year he didn't go on the Japan tour. He only played seven tests, but they won a Grand Slam. So some five of them were him captaining them to a Grand Slam. Pretty decent. He was insane in some of the Six Nations games, like that tackle on Mac Hansen where he held him up over the line yeah. Yeah. in Dublin. But they lost the game and they didn't win a Grand Slam. And then when they got to the World Cup, they got knocked out in the quarterfinal. Obviously, it wasn't because he was bad that, or anything. That tackle was one of the moments of the year. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I'm just thinking... You hear people say, don't you, which doesn't really make any sense, but I think you can kind of understand what they're getting out of, that Aaron Smith's the best scrum half in the world, Antoine Dupont's the best player in the world. Yeah, because he does more than just be a scrum half. Yeah, like the tackling, his carrying. He's like like a matador, isn't he? He drags people towards him. We have to mention Jamison Gibson Park, don't we? Yes, we do. But he was, he's taken Ireland to another level and he probably falls down because of the World Cup, but 
on the Grand Slam. Like he was critical to Ireland and the way that they've played to win the Grand Slam and the way that just added something. And actually, it's really funny, isn't it? Because I think back to that quarter final, which Ireland could easily have ended up winning. If they win that game, I think we're probably all in agreement they beat Argentina, they get themselves to a final. Gibson Park, I think, would be in our team of the year. Yeah, probably, it's, yeah. it's such small yeah. margins yeah. between Them's the guys. breaks of World Cups. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, so Smith, I, I, I know it was disallowed, but he was unbelievably good in the, the disallowed try in the World Cup yeah. final with Mwanga. He retired. He, well, he hasn't retired, but he's not going to play for the All Blacks anymore. And maybe, I don't know, because I hate it when it's like, oh, it's with giving this award just because he's been brilliant for ages. But I do think he had one of his best years in his mid thirties that, and to, it sounds also, it sounds weird to be like, Oh, and to keep up with DuPont. It's like, well, DuPont's still better than, isn't he? But I actually think in some parts of the season, he was better than DuPont. So we, are we going with Aaron Smith then? Are we happy there, Alex, if we opt for him Pray at nine? for the comments. <laughs> well, it's not a wrong decision. It's just, he's not, he's not the best. Like Anton DuPont is the best yeah. in, happy to be in the world, but, Obviously, they all bow down to San Marquez from Portugal, though, don't they? Yeah, I was just going through my World 15. <laughs> Marquez, for the World Cup, I had to file it before the... Portugal Fiji. Before Portugal Fiji, and I had the Samoan scrum half in, and then Marquez... Oh, with amazing hair. Yeah, because I loved watching him. He was I, Back to what I said earlier about he just brought so much joy. He wasn't the best scrum half at the World Cup, but he was the most eye-catching. I, I loved watching him. He brought something different to that tournament but he doesn't get in this team Jonathan Talmatini yeah no I, I'm happy to go with with Aaron Smith I just I think uh, yeah I, I think we're we're being led by by what happened in France because otherwise otherwise DuPont is the best Gibson Park has probably had the biggest impact on the team this year mm. um that's fair winning the Grand Slam and so then, everyone's just spat out there Prosecco haven't they god if it was purely DuPont's down to the you, world team if it, was, if it was purely down to you Alex who, who would you go for if me and Will weren't here. Why are you in my flat on, my, on your own, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd make a... I, um, it's not a straightforward selection because of, as I just outlined, there are so many different criteria for each one. I think DuPont is the best, but he missed so much of the World Cup. And in the games he played, he was awesome. But he doesn't have the weight, the World Cup weighting that Aaron Smith has. But we can't overlook what Gibson Park did for Ireland in the in the Grand Slam. So if I try and weight it like that, I think it probably is Aaron Smith first. I think it's Gibson Park second and Dupont third, despite the fact that all things being equal, you'd pick Dupont in your team ahead of the other two every time. And in fact, Dupont would probably be first name on the team sheet out of every single position as well, potentially. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, let's go with Aaron Smith then, and uh, people can be furious. Alfie, I can't believe you've done that. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, who's who's the the halfback partner? Uh, so this one's hard. I feel like fly half has been hard for a while. Last year we picked Sexton on the strength of the tour to New Zealand. They won two one down there, but they didn't win the Slam. And I think our discussion was between him and Untermack. And this year we mentioned right at the top of the pod. Andre Pollard was injured for quite a lot of the year, sort of didn't really fit into Leicester that well, that easily. Can't pick him off. But he came and won in the World Cup and kicked every single goal. He got 100% of his goals at the World Cup, which is yeah, unbelievable. But, okay, but he only played a game and a half. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the sample size, I think, is too small, isn't it? So then you go for Johnny Sexton, who, if Steve was here, I think he would say they should have taken him off before the end of the New Zealand game and yeah. brought on someone with some Jack pace. Probably, yeah. 
Mwanga, who had a really good year. Owen Farrell, also. Like, Sarri's win the title again. And we haven't talked too much about club tariffs in this, have we? But he had a really good club season and then drags England to the the yeah. the, the one they all want, the bronze medal. I feel like it's Richie Mwanga. Yeah, it's Richie Mwanga. Okay. So I, I had I had Pollard. Did you? To be honest. Really? For the World Cup tariff thing. For coming on after half an hour of the semi final yeah. and playing the final. Play it's the just final. the cojones, wow. isn't it, for kicking the goals in the semi and the final. One point wins and they're wow. based off his kicking. Which is which is why we all have different opinions, guys. It's all yeah. okay. Well, I think, <laughs> I think we're I'm saying. I'm happy to go. With I mean, no question. He checked. You know, he he. You could argue he won. He was the difference. Yeah. That got them there because the coaching staff had had the cojones. They had the foresight, the the bravery to put aside a selection error, as it could be seen. Mm, yeah. Pull off um, Marnie Libok and bring on Pollard off a half an hour, and that change in style and and the authority and the control that he brought. Saw them home by a point against England and a point against New Zealand. I I understand what you're saying. I just don't think he's over the year had the body of work that that, that the others would have had. Can I do you a quick New Year's Day quiz? Very quick. <laughs> Go on. And the listeners can get involved too. Let us know the who are the two top players, fly halves, who had the highest average kicking meters per game in 2023. I think you won't get either of them. Highest average kicking. So the meters top one kicked game. F- almost 500 meters. At, Per game, so on I, average, four hundred seventy-one, and the one below him was four thirty. So I would have said probably Owen Farrell because I'm thinking England kick so a lot. Farrell's fourth, but I suppose it depends where you. Jalabert? No, Alex. Do you want to guess? Are you going to tell us Mwanga? No, uh, Finn Russell and George Ford. Ford was okay, top. Wow. Finn Russell second. Isn't Ford that interesting? Was top. And how many? Yeah. So when he played, they kicked the leather oh off my God. it. He only, he only started like <laughs> yeah. three games. Is that Absolutely. A, 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 two games. I wonder how big a waiting that Argentina game was. Well, well yeah. 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 I mean, that's all of... Yeah. And Japan, yeah. He started Argentina and Japan. There were 70 kicks in the Japan game or something, weren't there? Yeah. Wow. So he didn't play the Six Nations. And there isn't the South African in the top 10. Libok played a lot, didn't he, at 10 this season, yeah. this year? It would have been year. lovely if Libok had been in this conversation. Yeah, that would have been cool. Because of the way that he plays the game. Yeah. But, but I think we're happy with Mwanga, aren't we? So we've oh, got yeah, a, yeah. the All Blacks half-back pairing. Let's get into the centres, 12 and 13. Tuasova and Naikalevu, that's a hell of a partnership, isn't it? Um, Damien Dialende maybe dipped for a couple of years, but at the two World Cup years that yeah. he's had, he's been awesome. Uh, Riku Yuan, he's always there or thereabouts. But I think uh, Geordie Barrett and Bundiaki are my pair. Both 12, Even though both they're both twelves, yeah, I think I'm putting Bundy at thirteen. For oh, a bit so of you've 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 cheated. Then. You've yeah, you've twisted. Bundy's got to be in there, I think. Well, in that case, I think we have to go for him rather than Geordie Barrett. Okay, well, what do you reckon, Alex? But so no, Geordie Barrett was my player of the World Cup. Yeah, see, this is, so okay. This is the <laughs> but the yeah, you're right. But Geordie Barrett was so good for New Zealand. Geordie, the difference New Zealand's gate. New Zealand turned the corner when Geordie Barrett came back. He didn't play at Twickenham in the South Africa game. He didn't play in the in the pool defeat to France. He came back and changed everything. For he them. should have been on the World Player of the Year shortlist, I think. Definitely should have been. Yeah, well, I'm happy with Jordi so, Barrett. Like he is the complete player defensively. How many times did did he make goal line tackles holding the ball up? Mm. Like, He's won against Ireland one in that game. Epic, isn't it? like incredible defense. Offensively, he's that he is. I mean, this isn't the conversation. Isn't who's a better player? It's who's had a better year. But he's he offers way more than Bundy Aki, 
who had a brilliant year, or a brilliant World Cup. Jordi Barrett's cross-kicking, his running, his vision. He can play every position, but he's found a home at 12. So I, I think he has to be Can 12. I throw some stats out? So these are, who's, the, who's the top in each of these categories? Uh, for carries, per game, Bundiaki. For metres made per game, Bundiaki. For tries scored per game, Bundiaki. For line breaks, Bundiaki. For line break assists, Bundiaki. Defenders beaten, Oli Lawrence. Second, Bundiaki. But I, I, I wanted Barrett too, so if if we're saying we can't have Bundy as a 13, then then I'm happy for Geordie Barrett to be the 12. Yeah, let's go with Geordie Barrett then. 13, I think, is harder, but what do you reckon? Well, I've already picked mine, so I'm, I'm going to leave you to <laughs> well, it, pick Alex. a 13 to play at 13. Uh, Outside Barrett, yeah. So those would be, feet on my list anyway, Fiku, Ioani, Naikalevu, yeah. the guys I've noted down. He's mine. Nice labor. Nice labor. Yeah, labor. Okay. Okay. yeah, okay. Okay. I mean, I would, that combo of, you put Tuasova, Nice Labour into the All Blacks team, the South Africa team, the France team. They are, as a, as a combo, they are about as good as you'll find as a midfield pairing anywhere in the world. And there is an argument if you, you, you pick a combination, you pick those two. But I just think the way that Barrett played, he has to, he has to be the 12 and I don't think there was a thirteen. Maybe a, maybe apart from Rico Yuani. Ring Rose, we haven't mentioned. I haven't mentioned Ring Rose. Yeah, good Six Nations. But I don't think there's a thirteen who at the World Cup had as big an impact on, on the tournament as Nikolaevu. Nikolaevu, top for meters made, top for try scored, top for a second for defenders beaten behind Yuani, second for line breaks behind Ring Rose. Decent shout. Happy with Nikolaevu and he was our captain, wasn't he, as well? Yeah. So a bit of leadership in there. Not that we're going to lack that with quite a lot of the rest of the team. That'd be quite fun. Nikolaevu, yeah. Yeah. Fijian in the team. That feels apt, doesn't it? Because I remember my hope for 2023. Two Fijians in the team. Two Fijians in the team. Was that Fiji got to the quarters and they did. So I got my New Year's resolution and now we've got two Fijians inside. Okay. Let's go with that. Also, just to mention as well to Jesse Creel, he, he wasn't blockbuster, outstanding highlights, but you think of how important Lacanio Am is to the Springboks and him being out and Jesse Creel was kind of their reliable, really, solid... Yeah, really solid world Yeah, and, and is yeah, worth really a mention. Good. But Jordi Barrett and Naisalevu then in the centres, the back three. So at the top of the podcast, they said, oh, only two players get in and, and actually I missed off Damien Penno, who was on our list yeah, okay. last year. Would you both put him into the So last year, three? Alex didn't have Penno in his... You said he was like in your top three for both wings positions, if that makes sense. And Eleven, and, and then you didn't want to pick him, but we made you, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that won't happen this year. I'll pick who I want. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Damien Penno, one wing. Yeah, and then then other mentions for Will Jordan, Colby, Mac Hansen, James Lowe, Kurtley Aronza, Talea, Matteo Carreras was really good at the World Cup. There's going to be loads of others, aren't there? But they're probably in. Those are the ones the general in, combo. in the conversation. Mark Talea, for me. Over Will Jordan? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I think so. I just think... He, Will Jordan, he scored record equaling number of tries. I just felt Talea was harder for opposing teams to grab hold of. I felt he made a bigger difference to New Zealand as an attacking threat. I mean, Jordan, I think, is and will be a better player. And obviously scored all those tries. I, I, yeah, I just thought Talea was was the kind of threat that South Africa really struggled to tie down. Quickly on Penno, because like, he's obviously in the team, but amazing. He scored 14 tries in 11 tests. 
this year. That is unbelievable, isn't he's it? He's unreal. And he's joined Bordeaux and can't stop scoring for that. Yeah, he's such a good player. He's won four tries in the first half of his debut and has just carried on. Yeah. Nuts. So on the Jordan one, I'm, I'm hearing the, the Twitterati in our comment section going, hang on, Jordan scored a record equaling eight tries in the World Cup, ten tries and ten tests. Was on the end of everything, and you're not picking him. And you're going to get the deciding vote here, Will. Oh, I, am I? I okay. would, I would pick Will Jordan. Oh, oh, that's hard, isn't it? And also, there will be Springbok fans saying Ches and Colby. Colby charged down the kick that was vital. Charged down, yeah. Try in that quarter France final game. against France as well. And Aaron Zerd scores almost every week himself too. Although some of that run was at the very back end of 22, wasn't it? Uh, blimey. So, so okay. Cards on the table. I had Jordan and Penno as mine but I'm actually going to be swayed by Alex here and I'm going to go for Talea because I, I now I'm remembering back to the World Cup when we had to pick our um, awards for the, the tournament and I picked him as one of my favourite players of the tournament uh, let's quickly round off our fullback then and then we can uh, then we will have named our 15 of the year uh, weird, weirdly lack of massive candidate I mean yeah. there's obviously some very good fullbacks but possibly a bit like 10 where you sort of go yeah because last year we had on our list Ange Capowozzo because he was amazing wasn't he but he's Italy didn't have the year at all that they did um, and Stewart we had on our list this time and he got dropped a bit for Smith didn't he because of the game plan change uh, LaRue was our fullback last year I think he probably should be this year as well Hugo Keenan Thomas Ramos top, uh, Ramos again doesn't maybe go all the way through to this because of the fact that they didn't win the World yeah. Cup or get that f- f- further through. Yeah, Bowden Barrett. Some One person on my Twitter said, you've got to have Bowden Barrett. He was my World Cup 15 fullback. I've just had a look. Yeah. I think he, I love Hugo Keenan and he was brilliant for Grand Ireland. Slam. Grand Slam. Thomas Ramos, goal-kicking fullback. Uh, Missed quite an important one though, didn't he? But he did. Miss Colby. Yeah, down. down. He did, yeah. So fullback's a tough one then. Fullback I think is it is a tough one. It is a tough one. I'm going LaRue. Double World Cup winner. He's didn't start for South Africa. Though. I don't think he started no, enough. he didn't really. Damien Willems has started. I was so games. definitive and then I've panicked. But we like we haven't I don't think we're gonna pick any South African backs, but And that's your fault, by the way, just for all the listeners, because I had two, so <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's a result of the fact that you know, I think Vinny LaRue's a better fullback than Valemsa, but Valemsa was the one who's, who started. I really like Valemsa. He's a hell of a player. He's a really cool player. Best fullback of the year? Uh, oh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... Oh, yeah, of course he is. Yeah, of course he is. He's brilliant. You got Bowden? I, I think I picked Bowden because, because there weren't, no one else screamed a case at me. Okay. So Will had Vinny LaRue. You had Bowden Barrett. I was thinking Thomas Ramos. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm, happy to, I'm happy to cede it to Bowden, Marcus I think. Smith, right? <laughs> That'll really Imagine get that. the comments going. Imagine that, yeah. That's, there's a clickbait selection for you. Yeah. You'll never guess who they picked at fullback kind of headline on it. Yeah. <laughs> Bowden, should we go Bowden Barrett? Which means yeah. New Zealand have utterly dominated the back line. Yeah, hang on. So they've got Aaron Smith, Muanga, Geordie Barrett, uh, Talea and Bowden Barrett. Is that too much? Is that too many? Probably, but... But quite a bocker heavy <laughs> pack. That sort of feels about right, doesn't it? Well, that is a... That probably is right, isn't it? It's probably about right. So let's lock that in then. So our back line, Aaron Smith, Richie Mwanga, uh, Geordie Barrett, Nice Levu, and then the back three of Damien Penno, Mark Talea, and Bowden Barrett, and our forwards, Oxenche, Peter Muvaka, Franz Malherb, Eben Etzebeth, Scott Barrett, Peter Steftatoy, Lavani Bottia, and Ardi Surveyor. Never going to lose a game there. 
So for the, we we don't really have an official award for this, but coach of the year last time, Alan Dimmock, before we started, was like, it's got to be Pablo Lemoyne, the Chilean coach who took them to the World Cup. So in a similar theme, I might allow Patrice Lagisquet, the Portuguese coach, to have a go coaching this side, unless anyone wants to... Simon Raul is a good shout. It's probably Razzie, isn't it? Razzie, yeah. They create, they generate a lot of enemies, South Africa, by pushing the boundaries and, and testing the authorities about what's allowed and what isn't allowed. And Razzie doesn't help himself with some of the things that he has said in the past about referees, etc. But the decisions that they took, there was a shot of, of Nina Barr and Razzie and, and the whole backroom staff having like a council of war almost about 25 minutes into that semi-final semi-final against England which they they won because they made big important tactical decisions at the time took off Marnie Libok who then after what half an hour who then didn't play the final mm. but they that was the right decision and so tactically and leadership wise they they got it spot on at the key moment when they were about to go out of the World Cup. So, for all, he comes with a lot of baggage, but just for that moment, I think you have to... Raznaba, the, ha- the duo. Yeah, you just have to acknowledge that that moment. I mean, I, I think, uh, given it's an honorary position, it should definitely go to uh, Rai Walui or, or Lajus Gay, but um, you just got to mention those. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that is our team of the year. We got there in the end. Pretty formidable side, I think we'll all agree. No doubt you'll have your all your own selections and no doubt you also disagree with us on many of them as well. But that is our 15 of the year. We'll come on to our awards shortly. Up next, though, we're going to hear from the Northampton Saints back rower, England under 20 as well, Henry Pollock. I caught up with him a couple of weeks ago. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Okay, Henry. Good to meet you. Good to speak to you. Thanks for joining us for our first ruck of 2024. We'll maybe look ahead in just a moment. We'll do a bit of a look back on 2023 as well. But you join us in England under 20 camp. How's the camp been? A bit of time away in Portugal must be nice when it's miserable, cold and dark in the UK. Yeah, no, it's been really good, actually. Lots of lads are coming from different places um, around the country. So it's good to finally come in and, you know, get everyone back on the same page and no, it's been really good and we've built up today. We've played the uh, Portuguese on the 20 team, which is really good. Just doing a bit of training against them. So yeah, we're loving it and yeah, it's really exciting. So this is going to be an incredibly elementary question, but w- what does an England under 20 camp look like? Like what do you get up to? So you've said you've had the game 
there outside of that how's the camp kind of structured and, and what do you look to get out of it so we obviously had a bit of so today for example we had we had that big session this morning we had a bronco just before that see what our fitness levels were um, and then we did the session against uh, portugal for about an hour and a half had a bit of lunch and then after that we had a gym session and then tonight we are we're going in, into town somewhere to have dinner as, as a squad which would be good for team bonding and then yeah just a couple of team meetings in between so yeah, they, they fill the days up really well, so you never really get bored. It's pretty good. Awesome. It, it must be nice to almost get away a bit, get into a different environment, certainly for you as someone, as a young player, kind of how beneficial is that in terms of your development, learning to be in that kind of camp setting, if you like? Oh, no, yeah, it's amazing. Getting the opportunity to come out to Portugal is, no, nah, it's been really good. And, you know, you, you just come in and you just try and learn as much as possible from all the new lads because it's really interesting because everyone has, like, a different perspective on, like, how they do it at their club. So un- understanding that from each of them is really good. And you can kind of pick together a few pieces from each player and, you know, just kind of come in here and just become a better rugby player, which is one of the main aims of the camp. How was the Bronco? I've heard so much about it. I'm fortunate that I've never done it. But how was it? Yeah, it was pretty brutal, actually. The weather this week has been not the best. It's been raining the last couple of days, but as soon as we got the Bronco set up, it started to be nice and warm um, and sun was out. So, yeah, <laughs> and it was hard, but it's a good fitness chest and the coaches want to see you push yourself. And what about you then? We'll, we'll come on to kind of how your 2023 has been and making your premiership debut and, and all that sort of stuff. But for a lot of our audience, I suppose they, they might not know your story, your route into rugby. What was what did your pathway look like? Did you take up the sport at a young age and have always stuck at it? Kind of when, when did you first start playing? Who who first got you into the game? So, yeah, I kind of started when I was about back at prep school. Um, just kind of got, got into a bit of tag rugby and then joined a club called Banbury Rugby Club. Um, was there for a couple of years. And then moved to Buckingham, and that's kind of where I went from stride to stride. Yeah, Buckingham was amazing. Um, loved it out there. Started at nine when I came in, and then moved to the back row after a few interesting uh, conversations with referees at times. But um, yeah, and then Bam- and then Buckingham, and then <laughs> obviously I was at Stowe, so that really helped. And then yeah, always been in the Saints Academy, and just kind of went through that pathway the whole way up. It seems like you know a nine getting in in trouble with officials isn't too out of the ordinary it's a bit of a characteristic of nines isn't it but when did that when did that move then from nine into the back row happen like age-wise probably around 13 12 13 when I was getting a bit more physical and I was kind of getting on the nerve of the referees and a few coaches were like would you want to try the back row and I was like yeah I'll, I'll give it a shot and then ever since loved it, loved it there um kind of found my feet really easily there so no, yeah, I just, one of the coaches just said, you know what, let's just try and move you and I'm, see what happens. And luckily it did work. So, Well, it's worked out pretty well so far. Sporty family as well. We were, we were speaking before and you were saying that kind of sport is a, a big part of your family, both of your mum and dad. Yeah, mum and dad, massive thing. Um, all three of us children uh, do sports. So mum and dad has been a big driver. Mum was a modern pentathlete and now she's a triathlon coach and then, Dad uh, ran for Scotland at age group, age grade level. So yeah, we brought up in a house, uh, a sporty household, which definitely helps. And then going to a, a sporty school, at prep school, um, where you kind of get stuck into every single sport is massive. That's kind of what you want is just getting exposed to all the sports so you have a really good baseline. And then when you get a little bit older, you can narrow that down to one or two sports. Yeah, that's really interesting because it's something, you often hear that discussion, don't you? I think we maybe hear it a little bit more with, football because kids tend to go into academies younger but how beneficial was it for you 
to play loads of different sports. And then I suppose you can start to specialise in rugby once you get a bit older and, and start taking it a bit more seriously. It's quite an interesting debate to have. No, yeah, definitely. Um, for me, definitely doing other sports with massive, like hockey, cricket, football, just for your hand-like coordination at a young age, because the best thing for young kids nowadays is just to get their hands on, like get their hands on every single sport they can do and just get their hand-like coordination to the best of their ability. And then when it comes to that age where you have to choose one or two, you already know where you're going because you've, like, you, you want to go down that road because you've been doing it for such a long time. And it's such an easy transition because you you know what you're doing. You know, you've been doing it for, for ages, as I said. So, no, yeah, it's massive. Different life experiences as well, I suppose, and different teammates, different kind of social settings. I think there's loads of benefits for it as well. Let's look back on 2023 then. So you played in the Premiership Cup in 22, played again in it this year and had a really good impact. And then Premiership debut off the bench in the East Midlands derby fairly recently towards the end of the year as well. It's it, from... My perspective looking in, it feels like it's been a heck of a year for you, but how would you sum it up? Yeah, it's been a whirlwind. Um, just if I sat down uh, this time last year and said that you're going to make a Premiership debut at 18 and then get selected for under-20s camp, I'd probably bite your hand off. No, Saints really good. They, they give you opportunities, no matter what your age is. If they think you're ready, they'll let you, they'll give you that opportunity. So, um, nah, it, it's, it's been a hell of a year and I'm loving it. So, yeah, I'll just see what's next to come. And as you say, you've been in the Saints Academy since you were 13. That must have been a pretty special moment to make your Premiership debut and in that derby as well. Yeah, no, it was massive. Um, it was actually a weird build-up in the week. I was kind of in and around the squad. And then I think a player dropped out due to injury. Um, and then, then Dallas gave me the message being like, you're up, you're on the bench. So, yeah, when that kind of happened, it was, it was kind of surreal. And then you don't really like notice, like you don't really think about it until you run out and you run out to a packed Welford Road and it's pretty surreal and you kind of just take a minute to just, yeah, it's, it's, it's unreal. Um, it's a moment I'll never forget, that's for sure. What were the nerves like? It might, I can imagine it could be quite strange almost sitting there on the bench thinking you might be coming on for your Prem debut, but trying to stay focused on what you have to stay focused on as a replacement. How was all of that? Yeah, no, so I, I was remember it was just off the second half and I'm probably thinking I'm getting five, ten minutes here because the game's really tight and it's a bit of a whirlwind and then, I remember went for a warm up and I got the call saying you're coming on and it, my heart just kind of dropped and I kind of jogged over the sideline and then got the call I was on. It was, it was, yeah, it was a, it was a very amazing feeling to be honest. Um, but no, the boys really helped me out when I came on. Got got a few good messages from the boys playing and just basically told me to do my thing, don't get in the shell. And yeah, no, that just kind of gave me that extra bit of confidence. And it seems like like there's quite a few big name players there in terms of you as a back row if you look at Saints I know with Courtney Laws and then Lewis as well that you know how much do you kind of chat to rely on those senior guys for little nuggets of information and bits of advice for someone like yourself at the start of your career no definitely like whatever they whenever they have whenever I have a question I'll definitely go and ask them and they're definitely helpful they always come over and give me some tips here and there if they say see something that's not quite right and and that's the kind of beauty, you know, at Saints, from day one, you, you're all submerged in the first team. Um, so you kind of get that relationship from very early on. So, no, it's amazing. And you kind of, you're like a sponge trying to soak up all the information. It's, yeah, no, it's very good. So looking ahead to 2024 then, are you someone that sets goals? Like, do you have specific goals you want to tick off over the next 12 months? How do you approach that sort of thing? I'll probably have, a, we normally, as a family, we normally sit down on New Year's and, go over our uh, New Year's revolutions. Um, for me, it'll probably be play some 20s, get some minutes on my belt in 20s 
and then next year put my hand up for first team. But at the same time, just enjoy my rugby. Like if Saints don't think I'm ready for, for Prem next year, then that's fine, and I'll go back out to loan and I'll get my minutes under my belt. Um, and then same with twenties. If I'm not quite ready for that, then I'll go away, work on what I need to work on. But no, yeah, definitely one or two things. Well, it's going to be if 2023 is anything to go by. Hopefully, a really exciting 2024 for you as well. I'll just finish up as well. You mentioned earlier that your dad ran for Scotland. Both your parents Scottish. You said to us when when we were chatting before. So you're in England under 20. Parents fully on board with you with you representing the old enemy. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, no, I was brought up in a household where mum and dad were both born and bred from Scotland. So there's definitely that side of the family. But no, they're just happy that I'm playing rugby and just enjoying it. It doesn't really matter what colour shirt I'm wearing. So, you know, they just, they're so happy with like me enjoying my rugby and no matter what colour shirt that is, and they'll, they'll all support me. So, yeah, they're really good. Well, mate, wish you all the best for, for 2024. I hope it's, a, hope it's a cracker for you. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers. Okay, so rounding off our first pod of 2024 for the Ruck. We've named our 15 of the year. Great to chat to Henry Pollock as well, a young man who I think has a very bright future in the game. A few final awards, Will Kelleher and Alex Lowe. Should we do Unexpected Hero, first of all? Yeah, so mine is a sort of countrywide award to Portugal. I think if we sat on these sofas uh, last year and said, Portugal, we're going to do what they did at the World Cup, everyone would go, really? They were just so joyful, amazing. I watched them live once against um, Wales, which you thought would be like 60-something, five, and was pretty close. Um, They then beat Fiji, which ruined one of my evenings when I was trying to write about it off the telly, and it was almost, oh, my God, maybe Australia will get through and Eddie Jones will be saved (laughs) after all. Uh, But that was insane. They've got a game against South Africa this year in 24, which is awesome, isn't it, to see that they're actually being rewarded. They might... They're playing two against England A. Let's hope that's actually a genuine fixture rather than just a bit of two second teams. So, yeah, the Portuguese, like, awesome. And unexpected heroes, I would say. I'm going to agree with something Will said earlier about Dion Fury. I could not, I I don't think even he would have expected to to be in the Springboks World Cup setup, let alone playing hooker again, let alone having to play 78 minutes of a World Cup final, let alone being on the field at the end to to lift the trophy. Uh, Remarkable story. Um, loads of there were loads of great individual tales at the World Cup. We've mentioned a few of them there, a couple of the Portugal players in particular. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go for Dion Ferri because I don't think even he saw that one coming. Yeah, two good ones. My unexpected hero is Alex Mitchell, England scrum mm. half, who wasn't even in the original World yeah. Cup squad. Jack Van Portfleet drops out with an injury. He comes in and ends up being the first choice and not just the first choice but we know the type of game plan he can play with Northampton but the way in which he fit into the England system in particular in that semi-final look at his box kicks that were on the money he almost proved he could play a different type perhaps more limiting in some ways game plan and now going into 2024 I think we'll probably feel he is England's number one and scrum half is a position that we can expect to see change Van Portfleet hopefully will come back from his injury do we see Danny Kerr again possibly not Harry Randall at Bristol. I still think Rafi Quirk at Sale, if he can stay fit, is a is a real star for the future. But Alex Mitchell, for me, is a guy who's come out of 2023 of his stock very nice high. Nice shout. Nice Good shout. One. Out of your seat moment of 2023. I can go first here if you want, yeah, actually. I was trying to think. I was thinking, blimey, what am I out of my seat moment? I was thinking of the World Cup and I'm actually going domestic for this one. Okay. Into the Gallagher Premiership. Do you remember the... It was actually the Harry Randall try 
but it was set up by just oh, magic Piertau. from Charles Piertau yeah. against yes. Northampton yes. at Ashton Gate, where he catches the ball, beats a couple of men, kind of spins through a tackle, then does one of his ridiculous side steps to get round another. Grubber's a little kick through that bounces up perfectly for Rand. It was just one of those moments you talk about rugby as a sport trying to sell itself. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. It gives people joy, that sort of moment. Oh. So the, the Charles Piertau try assist, really. Yeah. Is my out of your seat moment. I thought what you when you started saying that, I thought your best moment of the year was having a shower in my hotel when you were living in a caravan <laughs> in Marseille. That was <laughs> much needed moment of the year, maybe. So just <laughs> so just to recap for the listeners that would have missed this, the opening weekend of the World Cup was like mid thirties, and I was sleeping in essentially a camper van in the car park, stadium car park in Marseille. Just <laughs> the glamour. Sweaty and horrible. So before we did the ruck, I said, Will, can I have a shower at your hotel? And it was probably the most refreshing shower I've ever had. Yeah. So thank you once again <laughs> for that, Will. Unexpected hero. You could have had yeah. that. The shower in the yeah. Crown Plaza or whatever. Uh, I think, so I had sort of two that I thought of and... The one I'm not going to go for, but was my honourable mention, maybe was maybe doesn't define the out the seat moment because I was sitting down. But um, the final ten minutes of England South Africa, I remember talking about this on the podcast. I I could feel the pulse in my neck because it was just so tense, <laughs> especially the last bit when England were then behind and were like, oh, are they going to set up for a drop goal? Maybe they're going to do it. And me and you are sitting there with Slotty, just going, oh wow, this would be yeah. insane. And they didn't do it, but it was like cripplingly tense. So that was one. But the one, and I mentioned it, I think I gave it my try of the year for the World Cup, which wasn't the try of the tournament, but I just really enjoyed uh, Nicolas Sanchez nicking the ball of Sam Costello and running one in. And you've got the whole Pumas fans throwing their hands in the way they were doing and celebrating and winning that game. So that was out the seat for quite a lot of people, but I was sitting down again for that, but I enjoyed it <laughs> immensely. That was great. A um, couple of wow moments when Fiji sort of rampaged clear of England at Twickenham in the warm-up. Now, I know it was only a World Cup warm-up game, but that was a wow moment of like, wow, Fiji are awesome and wow, England are dreadful. Yeah. Like, how do they come back from here and then they go on the journey they went on? I wish I'd been in Paris for those two quarterfinals because had I been then I think the first half of France-South Africa would would be it. And I endorse what Will says about the World Cup final. My first thought, and, and it's not an out-of-the-seat kind of spectacular moment, but it was the slow-burning tension of it, the unfolding of the Champions Cup final in Dublin was one of my highlights of the year. The noise inside that stadium generated by the Leinster fans was louder than the Ireland fans had generated on the Grand Slam day against England. The atmosphere was incredible. And for La Rochelle to come back and to win it at the at the death. It was just, sometimes emotion takes over, but I still feel now, as I felt then, which is that it was the best European Champions Cup final there'd been. And so for all the wonderful moments at the World Cup, a couple of the games I wish I'd been at, that that's the one that leapt to my mind first. Okay, for a final award, hope for 2024. For me, this was quite an easy one, actually. And again, I'm going domestic rugby. Okay. And it is... An away semi-final win in the Premiership. Okay. I feel like every oh, season yeah. we get to the top two and there's always this great battle for third and fourth and it never really matters because they have to go to the Stonex or up to Sale. Sale yeah. And it's it's so difficult, as we know. The percentage of wins for away teams is tiny. I think it'd be great for the league if we could get an away semi-final win. And who are you backing to do that, Oh, Alfie? blimey, Will. 
Bristol. Bristol, Bristol probably. Yeah. <laughs> get every other award that he comes yeah, up with. Bloody Bristolians. <laughs> Call the Bears. Uh, it won't be Bristol. I'm pretty confident on that. I don't know, Will, actually. Again, I think, again, we're going to have another season where I think the top two will be relatively comfortable and it will be a bum fight. Northampton beat Saracens away fairly recently. Yeah, which think, could be I key. think you're looking at Northampton or Quinns to be the away team that wins. Mm, yeah. Interesting. yeah. Both okay. could do it. And Quinns beat Sale recently. Beat but Sale it was at, at the Stoop. home, but yeah. Interesting, yeah. So my hope for 2024, which is possibly teeing up 2025, is that Australia get their act together. What a terrible year it's been for Australia. You feel sorry for them. Just a total disaster. Loads of it self-inflicted, so maybe don't feel that sorry for them, to be honest, because they made some terrible decisions. I feel sorry for the fans and the players. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've got players going back to rugby league. You've got Eddie Jones now, the Japan coach. What a disaster that was, the, the whole tenure of him as a Wallabies coach. The Lions tours in 2025, everyone needs and wants that to be brilliant. So can the Wallabies sort their lives out? And as a little flick, here you go. This is based on no information at all. But here's a theory. What about a dream coaching team for the Wallabies of Joe Schmidt and Mike Catt? Mike Catt leaving Ireland after the Six Nations. Mm. I was just thinking about this the other day, and this is not based on information, but that would be quite good. And then that would really quite sell the Lions tour, wouldn't it? Joe Schmidt against the Andy Farrell. Yeah. That'd be pretty That'd cool, be wouldn't awesome, it? With actually. Mike Catt, his, his old number two, oh, coaching yeah, the Wallabies yeah. against like the Lions. There nice. you go. I like that. Nice, Alex. So come on, Ozzy, sort your lives out. I would like to spend 2024 writing positive, upbeat, interesting, insightful pieces about England and English rugby. And despite... All our best efforts, that it has been incredibly difficult to do. If, you th- if I was just looking back at some of the things that we'd done in 2023, in a year where England reached the World Cup semi-final, and yet, you know, I mentioned the Fiji game earlier, the Six Nations before that was two wins from five for the third year running. The RFU's leadership is constantly under scrutiny for, for and, and not for good reasons. My dream is that this new plan that the RFU are trying to pull together with the Premiership works brilliantly. The players are given their their head. That we see some of the rugby being played in the Premiership translate into the England team in an effective way, so that it drives up interest and excitement in the team. Yes, it's about winning, but England need to win hearts and minds as much as, as rugby matches at the moment. And while we're, Will and I are here, our job is to is to challenge and to scrutinise. English rugby's been in a funk for too long, and it's just a general hope that a sport that offers so many people so much can, in, can engage and inspire and excite in a way that it, it hasn't enough of late. I thought I'd had a good one with a way semi-final win, but Alex is, I think... Mic drop there, yeah, look at that. Trump me. Made my, <laughs> Happy made, New Year, everyone. Made mine look, <laughs> look trivial in comparison. I, think, well, I was trying to think what I said a year ago. Did I say a year ago, I hope that World Rugby don't act like um, dictators over online clips and that everyone can share the sport? Oh, maybe, only, not sure. I think, only for that to not come true. I think, we, I think you said that the World Cup lived up to what we hope it would be. I yeah. think. Oh, another very general... <laughs> vague... State of the game. <laughs> oh, well, I'll carry Just on. Make- the-, the train is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers. Airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, 
there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Make it more fun for me, Alex is basically <laughs> yeah, yeah. saying. <laughs> Entertain me. Perfect. Well... Have a great 2024, everyone. We'll be with you every step of the way, every Monday with a ruck, looking back on the weekend, talking about all the major talking points that there are to cover in the game of rugby. So thank you for being with us. We hope you have a, a brilliant year. Will, Alex, looking forward to it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, did, my uh, vision. I'm looking forward to my vision of 2024. Yeah, the Alex Lowe's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we did 52 pods in 2023. It's a good effort. I know others do more, but that's pretty good for a once a week. weekly pod. There you go. But we had a whole <laughs> month off in the summer, didn't we? We did two a week during the World Cup with all the specials oh, and all that. Yeah, no, it's been it's been fun, and I'm looking forward to whatever the next year holds. So, thank you for listening. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Follow us wherever you get your podcast from. Leave a review as well. We'll see you next week. Bye.